0: might be that you're here this morning and you've been praying for something. Maybe you've been praying a long time. It's been weeks or months. Maybe even years you've been going to God and you've asked for the same thing over and over. It might even be, if you've got enough time behind you, that you've been praying for the same thing even for decades. And so far, God hasn't done what you asked him to do. So far, you've been praying this same thing, and God hasn't responded the way that you were hoping He would, the way you were asking that He would. So far, God hasn't done what you asked Him to do. And that's a tough situation to be in. Lots of us have been there before, and here's the thing. When we go through that for a while, eventually, we want to ask this question. Why should I pray? I mean, if God is not doing what I ask him to do, why should I take all this stuff to him? Why should I talk to him about the things that are really on my heart, the the things that matter, the things that are important to me? Why should I pray at all? Now, in typical James Jones fashion, what we're going to do is we're going to take one question, and to answer that one question, I'm going to ask two more, okay? And here's the two questions that I want us to think about over the next couple weeks. The first is this. How does prayer change me? If I want to know why should I pray, one of the things that we need to think about is, how does prayer change me? And the second question is this, how does prayer change God? Now I think for lots of us, what we want to do is jump to the second question, right? We want to go and say, okay, what do I need to do to get God to change something? When I pray, how does that affect God, and how do I get him to do what it is I'm asking him to do? How do I get the answer that I want from God? But before we get to that question, today I want us to think about the first one. How does prayer change me? You see, when we go to God in prayer, what we want to we feel God's presence, right? We want to know that God is listening. We want to know that God is going to do something. We want to get an answer. We want God to be at work, to be present, to act. But sometimes God doesn't act like we want him to act. Sometimes God doesn't do what we want him to do. And sometimes God waits a lot longer than we want him to wait to answer our prayer. Sometimes it's we want an immediate result. We want to pray today and get an answer tomorrow. Preferably we'd like to pray today and get an answer today. But sometimes it takes a while. And we have to grow through that and learn to depend on God. See, that's a little bit of how prayer changes me. So, to get at this, what I want us to do is turn to a a passage in the Old Testament. It's in Genesis 32. It's a story that we find that really talks about prayer. When we turn to Genesis uh, 32, what we find is that we're in the middle of a story. And this story is the story of a man named Jacob. Jacob's an important character in the Old Testament. He really is the person that the nation of Israel is named after. We'll get to that later in the story. He's the grandson of a man that we've all heard of, Abraham, is the son of Isaac. He is an ancestor to Jesus. So he's sort of in a central role in the story of the whole Bible, the narrative of God. And we find ourselves today in the middle of this story in which Jacob is running. Now, Jacob is often running. Jacob is running from people. Jacob sometimes runs from God. He sometimes runs from issues. And today, it's all about to catch up to him. Because he's been running from his brother Esau. Esau was his older brother. And Esau was the one who was supposed to receive the greatest inheritance in the family because in that day, if you were the older brother, then you got the most. But Jacob had cheated his brother out of his birthright, his inheritance. And so Jacob was going to get the inheritance of the older brother. It was a sizable sum, a big difference between the two. And Jacob has been running from his brother Esau for a long time. And now Jacob has learned that his brother Esau is catching up, and he's coming with 400 men. Now when you know you've cheated your brother out of his inheritance, and he's coming after you with 400 men, you know this story may not have a good ending for you, right? Right? And that's just where Jacob was. He's not sure how this is going to play out. So he prepares himself for what is going to come. He divides his whole camp. Remember, he's got lots of kids. He's got lots of servants. He's got flocks and herds and all this wealth. And so he divides all that into two big groups with the hope that if Esau approaches, he'll only be able to catch up with one group. So if you're in Jacob's family, you hope you're in the right group that day, okay? So everything's divided up, and he's ready for this, and then he prays. And this is Jacob's prayer. It's in Genesis 32, beginning in verse 9. Jacob prayed, O God of my father Abraham, his grandfather, God of my father Isaac, that's his own father, Lord, or Yahweh, as we've talked about, the personal name for God in the Old Testament. Yahweh, who said to me, and he reminds God of a promise, Go back to your country and your relatives, and I will make you prosper. Remember God, You said I was going to be rich. You were going to take care of me. So listen up. Verse uh, 10, I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you've shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan into the land. But now I have become two camps. Lots of descendants, grandchildren, lots of flocks, herds, wealth. It's all here. It's divided up into two big groups. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau. For I am afraid he will come and attack me. And you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. God, remember what you said you would do. You're going to give me many descendants. You're going to give me much wealth. And now, right now, all those promises depend on what happens with my brother Esau. So here's Jacob asking God to act. praying that God will take care of him. Jacob needs God to be present in this moment because he has no idea how all this is going to turn out. And then, amazingly, Jacob went to sleep. Now, I can imagine being up all night thinking about all that's going to happen, but Jacob went to sleep, and he has this, this weird encounter that lasts the whole night. Suddenly, he's wrestling with the man. And they're sort of evenly matched, and they they keep wrestling. And and it lasts most of the night, and finally this man he's wrestling with, it's come to a stalemate, but he wrenches Jacob's hip. And still Jacob fights on until it's just about daybreak. And the man wants Jacob to relent. He wants this to be over with. And he asks Jacob his name. We find it where Jacob says he wants a blessing from this man, and we pick it up in verse... um, 26, the middle of verse 26. The man asked him, what is your name? That's verse 27. Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the man asked him his name. Now, here's the thing. In the ancient world, we've talked about this before. Names were important. If you knew someone's name, you knew something important about their identity. You knew uh, something about who they were, where they're from. And you had a certain amount of control. And so Jacob says, my name is Jacob. Now, maybe you know, maybe you don't know that Jacob and James are the same name, two different languages, okay? So if you look in the Greek New Testament, what you find is that the book of James is actually called Jacobon, Jacob, okay? But in English, we call that James. And we've got a lot of Jameses around our church. Maybe some of you in here even named James or Jacob or Jake or Jim or whatever it is, okay? Here's, here's the thing. When I was a kid, you know, I would, I would hear what other people's names Meant and it would be something like angel, right? Or blessed one, lover of God, something like that. I would look up James in the dictionary or in some of those name dictionaries, and, and it said supplanter. What does that mean? I mean, that never sounded good to me. I wanted blessed by God, okay. So what what does supplantor mean? So I look that up and it means one who takes the place of another. Well, that doesn't sound any better, right? And if you get down to the core of it, what James means, so all the Jameses in here, what James means is this, thief. So all the Jameses that we got in our church is just a band of thieves is really what we have here. Thief. Now, that's not pleasant, okay? That's not pleasant for an eight-year-old boy to find out my name means thief, all right? Thief the third, because I'm the third in line in our family. So thief cubed, maybe, I don't know. But the name fit Jacob because he spent his life trying to take what belonged to others, including his brother Esau. So Jacob says his name, Jacob supplanter, one who takes the position of another. But then God speaks. and We find out that he's given a new name. Verse 28, the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Why? Because this is what Israel means. Because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Struggled with God. This night he has been wrestling with God. And his name has changed to reflect that, that he's got this struggle with God. And in fact, his descendants receive the same name, right? Israel. This nation, as we look through the Old Testament, who struggles with God. That's Jacob. That's Israel. And it says something about his relationship with God. And maybe with our relationship with God. That this is not always easy. It points to a truth that we need to know. Sometimes our relationship with God is a struggle. It's hard. Now, what we want our relationship with God to be is sort of even keel, everything's fine, I do my thing, God does his thing, he takes care of me, he makes my life easy. That's what we want our relationship with God to be like. The story of Jacob reminds us it's not always that way. Sometimes our relationship with God is a struggle. Because we want God to do one thing, and God does something else. You see, we're dealing with this question, how does prayer change me? And it does change us. Because sometimes we take a need to God, and we say, God, I want you to do this. I want you to take care of me. And what God does is he struggles with us. Because sometimes God knows it's not what we need. It's not what's best. It's not what's going to happen. And we have to figure that out. And sometimes God changes us. Points to the truth I want us to take from this whole passage. Prayer takes us deeper. What do I mean by that? Sometimes in these dangerous conversations with God, we take stuff to God, and it's good stuff. God, I want healing for my parent, child, brother, sister, for me. God, I want you to take care of me. God, my my job, I think I'm going to lose it. God, our finances are falling apart. God, take care of, of me. Take care of what matters to me. Take care of my church. God, deal with this problem. And sometimes, instead of just doing what we want him to do, God looks deeper within us. And he calls us to a depth in the relationship with him that we haven't seen before, to places that we don't know. And he changes who we are, and he changes even what we want. Maybe he changes what we need because he's changing who we are. Sometimes prayer is about going to God and asking for stuff. And sometimes God grants that. Sometimes God does exactly what we want him to do. And sometimes, instead of doing what we want him to do, God takes us deeper. God takes us deeper into this relationship and shows us what he wants us to be, who he wants us to be. And sometimes that's harder. Sometimes it's a struggle. We just wanted God to bring healing to somebody. We just wanted God to heal us. We just wanted God to take care of a broken relationship and instead takes us to a place we've never been. And he uses us in ways that we've never been used. And he opens up opportunities for ministry that we never expected. Prayer takes us deeper. And in that, God changes who we are. Jacob wanted safety, and he wanted victory. And instead, he struggled with God all night. And he got his name changed. And his descendants changed. God changed who he was. And sometimes that's what prayer is. God taking us deeper. Submitting to him in ways that we never would have before because we just didn't know him well enough. And we didn't trust him enough. These are not the easy prayers. We like it when we can pray to God and say, Man, God is amazing, isn't he? He did just what we asked. And sometimes that happens. And sometimes we say, I went to God and prayed, and he never did what I asked him to do. Instead, he transformed me into a person that I would never have been otherwise. And he took me deeper into this relationship that has changed my life and my eternity. And in the end, that's better. Sometimes it's hard to see. Sometimes we don't see it until much later. But it's better. And so today, next Sunday, we'll deal with that other question. How does prayer change God? But this week, what I'd like to challenge you to do is think in a little different direction. Maybe instead of our prayers being all about, okay, God, I want you to do this, I need you to do that, and this would be so much better if you would act in this way, how about if we prayed instead, God, change me into the person that you want me to be. Change my heart so that my heart aligns with your heart. Change my desires so that my desires align with your desires. God, make me the person you want me to be. Because I know that person is better than the person I am today. In other words, take me deeper. Let's pray together. God, help us see your heart. Show us who you are, because... So often the only way we can become the people that you want us to be is when we see you more clearly. So God, even if that means a struggle, even if it means things don't always go the way we want them to go, God, we pray that you would take us deeper into your heart and make us into the people that you want us to be. God, we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. God's calling you into a relationship. And maybe you haven't opened yourself up to that relationship yet, but you've been thinking about it. Let me encourage you to take that step of faith, to put your trust in Jesus Christ and allow him to change this life and change eternity for you. Put your faith in him, repent of your sins, which just simply means, hey, I'm going to live in a new way. I'm going to live in the way that God's called me to live and then be baptized or immersed into Christ. We'll walk with you through that journey. We want to see that happen in your life. Or maybe it's time to become a member of our church. If you've done all that before and you want to serve with us, we'd love to hear about that as well. If you made either one of those decisions, come forward as we stand and sing our invitation. Let's stand together.